the Marshan and Oran Sports Media Podcast. I'm Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for the New York Post, and he's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. And John, second week, we have a pretty good guest. We had to change the name of Six Pretty Good Minutes because we have Jimmy Pataro, the chairman of ESPN, joining us, uh, which uh, is going to be a pleasure, I think. You know, the plan of this podcast was we wanted to APTI. We wanted to have five good minutes or six good minutes. We get Jimmy Pataro. I think we're going 30 minutes this time. This, this, the, you may be Kornizer. I have no <laughs> Will Bond. Come on. I'm not, we're not, I don't know. It's if all we're about there. Washington. It's all about D.C. Yeah, I'm not sure if we're there. All right. We start every week, though, second week, uh, the format. Uh, who's up? Who's down? Who's up? Who's down? Who's up? Who's up? Rob Manfred. A now, baseball commissioner. Yes, at SBJ's conference, he went all in on Sinclair uh, about how they're managing the regional sports networks and if they have rights, they want to go direct to consumer. Uh, and he's saying, yeah, not so fast. They want to have gambling. He's saying, not so fast. I love that when commissioners are outspoken. So, Rob Manfred, you get my on the way up. Well, that's so funny because my on the way down is Chris Ripley, the CEO of Sinclair. I mean, the problem is he has been telling anybody that will listen, his creditors, teams, leagues, anybody, that he's going to launch a, a direct-to-consumer streaming service with the 14 MLB teams that he had. Well, yesterday, Rob Manfred said he doesn't have the right to do that. He only, he only has 14 teams, so he doesn't have enough teams to do that. And not only that, he doesn't even have like gambling rights that they've predicated their entire business off of. Rob Manfred yesterday, I've never seen a, a league commissioner go against a league partner so hard like he did. I, there obviously is a lot of bad blood there. Yeah, so up and in, about 97 miles per hour, Rob Manfred with a fastball uh, uh, pushing uh, Sinclair off the plate. All right, who I you mean, got? So yeah, I, I just have to say that the, this speaks that Sinclair's future, to me, my prediction, it's not long for the RSNs. Uh, mm. it, it's what are they going to be? Is it their it's almost certain that they're going to go into bankruptcy, mm. and then we'll see what happens with those rights. But baseball is circling. I had a story this week in, uh, in uh, SBJ that Fanatics has been kicking the tires. You know, they, yep. they, they want to do a direct-to-consumer service. Uh, Jimmy Pitaro on, on uh, stage today talked about how much he does like local rights. There are plenty of people that are out there that would be interested in these rights if they are able yeah, to Yeah, I didn't really understand why the whole time why Sinclair was going to, why did they get them? They just, because they said they called dibs? I don't, I get it, they have the local TV rights, but why would they get the streaming as well? It just, that never has really uh, come together in my head, and then uh, Manfred uh, just came and just threw high heat. High heat, you didn't <laughs> see that. I appreciate that he, did, that he did that. So my on the way up, uh, I'm going to stick with, with the commissioners. It's got to be Gary Bettman. I mean, Gary Bettman started this week on... ESPN and on Turner, uh, he has wanted for the longest time to get two different networks to carry his games. His games can get marketed to two different networks, uh, the, the, the people that are watching both networks. He feels like this is the best way to grow. Uh, the, there were a lot of people watching, uh, streaming it on ESPN Plus uh, that seemed to go Relative, relatively well, according to my Twitter feed, anyway. I mean, that's a, if it's your Twitter feed I says mean, it's it, it's got to be, be true. I, I only Twitter. follow really technically savvy people. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was good. Yeah, look, this is a, it's a win for the NHL because they have the reach of 
uh, ESPN. NBC did a really good job, but NBCSN is being shuttered this year. It's not because it had such reach. I mean, ESPN's ESPN. We can write about it and say that they're not uh, the same and they're not as dominant. They're still the most dominant um, player in the game. And then Turner is a like a mini ESPN. Like nobody looks at Turner as if it's ESPN, but you start looking at their inventory of sports and it's kind of quieter and there's not much noise and they don't have the, you know, studio shows during the during the week that make a lot of social media noise like first take and get up and those type of uh, programs. But they have, you know, live rights to hockey, you know, the NBA, baseball. Everything but the NFL. Yeah, not the NFL. The, fi the final four. They the have a, four. a golf telecast with the uh, the, the match. They're also, a sports network. Yeah, in terms of Bleacher Report, they hit the, 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 the youth. They have amassed a really, really high-quality list uh, bucket of rights. And... Uh, Pitara talked about it on stage with you is that it did mean a lot to a lot of people at ESPN. I felt bad for the people at NBC who aren't working on it. And people might say, oh, you know, they, they got their run. But when you do something you love, it's hard to see that go. So so a very good day. And you watched as well. You could yes. see that come off. Uh, the excitement coming out yes. of the, like, sort of the on-air personalities at ESPN. Yeah, the feature they did on the, you know, the music uh, was pretty good. Uh, very well received with uh, Justin Bieber. Um, You're so old. I'm not old. Like, those guys should be actually those should be my prime. But it's I mean, the I don't Come listen. On. I don't listen to that. I'm a biggie guy. We still need to get it on the way down from you. Private emails. Oh boy. <laughs> Maybe private private emails might be on the way up. Yeah. But is but, this Bruden? Is this Schefter? I mean, who I is know, it? we can go a lot of directions here. All right. First off, uh, I wrote a column about it. The NFL. Uh, you know, I don't like to guess sources. People do that with me all the time. They're 90, 95 percent of the time wrong. So this did seem, though, as if the NFL was behind these leaks. They don't like Gruden, and Gruden did to himself. No sympathy for him. He disqualified himself from that position for those emails. They're unhinged. It might be a locker room culture, but not that. That was too much. He had to go. Uh, but still, there's 650,000 emails. Those are the only ones being leaked. The only leaked. ones were, were they're going to act like they're big scoops. I mean, again, maybe people are uncovering them. They all just happen to uncover these, this story all at once. Seemed pretty uh, like a game plan that the NFL executed. You know what? The whole arc of the story, it started with the Wall Street Journal, and they had one Gruden email. Yep. And then they, then we talked about the Gruden email through the Sunday games. Yep. I think Mike, uh, Mike Tirico and Tony Dungy, Oof. they went on the record they, like defending Gruden off that one email. Yep. And then the flood came, and it did appear that there was somebody that is trying to go after Gruden, yep. who, of course, like, like that was shocking. Of course, he should be fired. We're always fair on the Marshan yeah. and Orion podcast. I did ask the NFL. They denied that they had anything to do with it, so we'll put that out there. Do I believe them? Uh, you can tell. Now, Adam Schefter gets involved oh, in boy. it. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, he, the, he, his email to Bruce Allen is out there now where he uh, called uh, Bruce Allen Mr. Editor, which I took as flippant, but asked him if there's anything he needs to change uh, in the story. Uh, and he was getting crushed on social media. I went out there. Now, look, I don't know, we, we don't know the exact details. This is my problem with the private email thing, okay? Forgetting Gruden. Gruden's a different category. His are just obvious what he's saying. People take this up out of context, and then they not only do that, then they provide their own context. So I kind of need more context. But the idea that you tell somebody you're writing about what you're saying is not, like, to me, is not an impractical um, way to go about business or not even an some people are unethical. You're telling a person, this is what it's going to say. You, and my thing always is, this is what I say to people. This isn't a negotiation. 
I want to be fair. Tell me if I have something wrong. I don't send now sending an email. Yeah, I've almost never say, done like, that. How many okay. times have you emailed? Yeah, almost a story never. I don't know. Yeah. Before, before your own editor. The only time maybe is for clarity on some like technical thing, like where I don't understand, but not in a controversial. But 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 telling them something I don't think is wrong. Again, my point is I rather have the argument before the world sees the story than after. So that's where I think people are kind of piling on Schefter, and I, I don't think necessarily it's right because we don't know. Now, I killed Schefter more than I criticized. I know, that's I, why I, I'm so surprised I criticize Schefter more than anybody. Look, he's a he, hard worker. I mean, I mean he does a great job. It just the whole um, transaction thing to me is, I'm not gonna say, it, there's some, there's holes in it, okay? You want to tell people things they don't that the subjects don't want you to know. He, they tell you a lot of stuff that is gonna be out there anyway, so I'm not as impressed. Although, and let me just put this, I think Schefter is good. Like, I'm not saying he's bad. I just, I've criticized him a number of times. Condoleezza Rice, we've had it out, trust me. So I'm not like some Adam Schefter defender. I just think the idea that you tell a source of yours what you're writing is not necessarily wrong. I, again, there might be more to it where he is wrong, but as far as I know, not necessarily wrong. Andrew, the whole point of this pod is that I'm the nice guy persona, and you're the New York Post I'm a reporter. Softie. I can't. I, I can't fathom this. You have never sent a full story via email. Do no. you know how many people? How, but uh, what you're saying? Hang on for a second. Let, yeah, but no, 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 even no. But do we? No, wrong. but no. You know, when I'm crushing somebody, that's what I tell them. I call them. I tell them. You call I'm them crushing them. you, and I'm telling yes. you exactly what I'm going to say. That's part of reporting. Absolutely, you're you're on a beat. However, people ask me. They say, how, can you email the story to me? No, that you don't do. No. Of course not. That's what he did. But you don't know what is the relationship. Was it, I have some technical stuff, which is what I've heard, in this story, and I want to understand, did I, did I convey it correctly? Not take this out. I want this higher. If He's not doing a line edit. I, again, I don't, we don't know everything. My overall, overarching point, taken out of context, Private email. We don't know what he really meant by Mr. Editor. It might have been a little I, joke. Mr. Editor, well, that was flipping. Okay, almost but certain. then we, but yeah. then, but then, what? Again, I, social media, whatever. Then we. All I, this is my whole point: is that when people ask me to to email them the story, and of course P, it's a PR, no. PR yeah, people it. ask it all the time. My response, my response is always: if I did that, I would be fired, and I truly believe. I would be fired if I got caught sending. I will a tell you, whenever story. when I've done some stories that like kind of go into not sports, and I'm dealing with like entertainment or news people, it's amazing. Some and I'm just like, what? <laughs> some of the things they're like, can you tell? Can you can you can you mention? It's like, what are you talking? I never do this. I I don't. I just sort of say, oh yeah. You know, and then, well, I do. I don't like getting a big. You know, it depends. But uh, but so anyways, I just think we. We all love to have context. If it was you, you'd want context. But Adam Schefter's private email, because Adam Schefter makes a lot of money, he's a big star in ESPN, again, I'm not saying he's 100% correct in this. I can just understand it, and within the context of it, again, it was a labor thing. He, it, I'd have to look back at his stories. Was he only pro-ownership and management, then we might have an issue with it. But is he doing the same thing for the player side during that? I presume he was. I think he's a good reporter. Like, I don't think he's just carrying water. Now, I'm not saying he never carried water. I'm just saying in that instance, I don't think he's carrying water necessarily. And it's just the pylon, to me, gets old. Yeah, that's what you can agree on. If he had a do-over, he would take it, certainly. Yes. Six pretty good minutes. Now, John, we were going to call our interview segment Six and a Half Good Minutes. We found out last week with Scott Van Pelt that was difficult. This week, 
We have the chairman of ESPN, Jimmy Pitaro. You can't go six and a half minutes when you have the chairman of ESPN. You could argue the most powerful person in sports media. Uh, so we're going more than six and a half minutes. But, Jimmy, we, we really appreciate it. Second week of the pod to get you on is, uh, is our pleasure. Great to be here. Thanks, so guys. It, it probably won't be your pleasure. But <laughs> it is our pleasure. 20 good minutes, the big get. we got to come up with a new name for this. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Hey, John. So, Jimmy, you are um, you know, a big sports fan. A big New York Yankees fan. Uh, you went through Yahoo Sports. You had a, a big, big job there. You're now the chairman of ESPN and Disney Sports. The, uh, it's a dream job for you, I have yeah. to imagine. How did you get there? Yeah. So, yes, I grew up as a uh, Yankees, Giants, Knicks, Rangers fan. Sports Been a rough couple on. of years for you, Jimmy. <laughs> this is sports is a soundtrack in my family, you know, my house growing up. My sister is the general counsel for Major League Baseball. Uh, you know, I talk to my dad seven days a week about sports. It's just part of my DNA. Uh, I was a lawyer. I was a litigator in New York City. My wife's career took us to the West Coast. Uh, I ended up becoming an in-house lawyer for a startup, a music startup, that got bought by Yahoo. Uh, long story short, uh, the big change for me, or my big break, if you will, was when uh, my boss asked me to move over from legal and business affairs to running Yahoo Sports. I, at that point, uh, never managed the P&L, uh, never really managed a, a, a budget. Uh, I went from managing maybe a dozen people to managing probably over a thousand. Uh, and so it was definitely a stretch and I was very fortunate. A lot of it was right spot at the right time. Uh, but I had made it clear that I was passionate about sports and that I would ultimately at some point like to run a business at, at Yahoo. Uh, so when the opportunity presented itself, I, I jumped at it. And then fast forward to 2010, uh, I had advanced a couple of times at Yahoo. Things were going well. I was not looking to leave, uh, but I got a call uh, and, and, and someone asked me if I would be interested in, in meeting Bob Iger. And I had met Bob a couple of times, but never really had a meaningful conversation with him. Uh, and ultimately, he and I got together and we started to flesh out what it could look like with me joining the Walt Disney Company. At the time, Disney Interactive was one of the verticals, consumer products, theme parks, movies, television. And then there was a separate segment uh, called Disney Interactive, which was essentially a horizontal uh, interactive group that cut across a lot of what was happening at the Walt Disney Company. Interestingly, not ESPN. So even when I was um, running Disney Interactive, uh, I, I was working somewhat closely with, with the folks at ESPN, but I was not in charge of it. Anyway, long story short, I ultimately decided to, to take the job at, at Disney and uh, have had a bunch of different jobs at the Walt Disney Company. I moved over uh, to consumer products, uh, about maybe 2015, they merged. In Let me interrupt you for a second. When you take that job at Disney, Disney owns ESPN, of course. Was was this part of your vision? Was that like was that a yeah. goal of yours? So first conversation I had with Bob Iger, we talked about ESPN, and and, and obviously Bob knew that I had worked for Yahoo Sports. We were competing against ESPN. I woke up every day um, trying to beat ESPN. It was really a motivating factor for me and for the team. Uh, so, yeah, it, I, I made it clear with Bob out of the gate that I was interested in ESPN. And then every single year when I would sit down with Bob 
and get my review, uh, he would always ask me, well, what do you want to do next? Or where are we going next? And ESPN, of course, was always a part of that conversation. Uh, and so then 2017, uh, John Skipper resigned, and uh, Bob gave me a call and said, uh, assuming you're still interested, and I said, absolutely. And then I will tell you, I, I was not just handed this job. Uh, despite the fact that I had worked at Disney for seven years and worked directly for Bob Iger during that time, I still probably had six interviews with Bob where I had to walk him through uh, my strategy, what I would do. Uh, I would go on weekly hikes with my wife and my dogs uh, where I would rehearse uh, my interviews with my, with my wife. Uh, and to her credit, she never got tired of it. <laughs> you're still married. I'm still married. Yeah, it's good that you're married to an actress who's a success who can impersonate Bob Iger. Yeah, exactly. In fact, we did, do, we did honestly do some role playing on those hikes. Uh, but I was able to kind of crystallize a, a strategy. And I will tell you that those four priorities that, that I, I uh, put together uh, during that interview process, and it wasn't just with Bob, there were many people that I had an interview with. Uh, those four priorities still exist today, so four years later, and we're still talking about direct-to-consumer, audience expansion, quality storytelling and programming, and innovation. So anyway, that's how I, I hope that answered your question. That's how I got here. And I thought it was nice of Bob, you know, as an Ithaca college grad to look at a Cornell grad and say, you know, we'll take you in. I also went to Ithaca. Uh, I know so, you did. So there you go. Uh, but that, uh, that's a pretty good story. You know, the other thing about you, you played football. You know, just quickly, how good a football player were you? I was fine in high school. I was recruited. Oh, you uh, played at Cornell? Play. I did. Okay. I was recruited to play at Cornell. Um, my career at Cornell was, was uh, not what I wanted it to be. Okay. Um, you know, I played as a freshman. At the time, freshmen could not play varsity. Uh, that was an Ivy League rule. I've, that's changed now. Um, but I was on the freshman team. Uh, I had some injuries my, my sophomore year. Uh, I played as a junior. Um, but because of my injuries, I ended up losing a lot of weight. And they moved me from running back to wide receiver, which was not my natural position. Um, my recruiting coach um, was not the wide receiver coach. So it just really didn't work out for me. Yeah, I know. As have... you can tell, this is something you've thought about a lot. It was not a proud uh, college football career. I'd love to tell you it was. However, I am actively involved with the university. To this day, I'm on the Athletic Advisory Alumni Council, so I'm still connected. Uh, and it wasn't their fault that yeah. it didn't work. It was you know, a bunch of injuries, and maybe also I wasn't good enough. No, I don't know. no it definitely wasn't that. Yeah, Jimmy, of course come not. On. All right, let's drill down on ESPN. Yeah, so uh, how soon are we going to be watching ESPN programming on ESPN Plus? Is it, do you have a timetable for that? So look, today we are absolutely running these parallel paths. So we've, we've closed deals um, over the past year and a half uh, that, gives us, that give us the right to protect the linear traditional television model uh, and at the same time move content over to direct-to-consumer ESPN+. So that flexibility means we have um, exclusive games, like on the NHL side, we have 75 exclusive games for ESPN+, and Hulu. Um, you both know on, on the NFL side, we secured one game per year, an international game, Sunday morning game for ESPN Plus exclusively. Beyond exclusive games, we have the ability to simulcast. We have the ability to do alternative broadcasts. Um, we have the ability to just move more content over to Plus. 
as I sit here today, I will tell you, we like this idea of being multiple things at the same time. If you want to access ESPN through the traditional television bundle, cable or satellite, great, we're there. If you want to access ESPN digitally, we have ESPN+. And so every day, we're pretty good at this, determining what content should sit where. And as we do our deals, that's a large part of the focus. The NHL is really the best example. And so what I mean by that is we sat down with the research team. That, that, that was a four-year process. We really wanted to get the NHL back. We had it up until 2004. Yeah. We, from the day I got here, we decided as a leadership team, let's get this back. When we sat down and, and talked to our, our, our research group, what we saw was that a slightly younger audience, more akin to the NBA audience, which we liked, and importantly, a, a tech-savvy audience. And so what we decided to do was let's, let's secure rights, not just for linear, but let's secure rights for direct-to-consumer when we looked at, at, at the audience, it, it, it all made sense. And I give the league a ton of credit in that they, they saw that. They saw our research, they heard our vision, and, and it made sense for us, and it, and it made sense for them. Now, the challenge is, of course, I'm sure what you guys are both thinking is, you're on ABC, you're on ESPN, you're on ESPN+, you're on Hulu. One of the things that we have to do is make sure that we are marketing um, the game availability appropriately um, and make sure that there's no confusion in terms of, by the way, it's not just us, as you both know, it's Turner also. Yeah. So we have to make sure that we're partnered with Turner and we're, we're together letting our fans know where these, where these games will, will reside each, each day. But the, 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 the general point that I'm making is we like where we are today, which is um, being actively invested in the traditional side of our business, the television side, and at the same time, having this product out in market that is technologically sound, it's scalable, it's got great original content um, like, like our, our shows and our, our new studio programming, um, and we're securing rights on a regular basis that give us the ability to move games over there. Okay, so with these new deals that you've done, you outlaid about $40 billion over the last two years in terms of all the deals that you've done. Are you able to take ESPN the mothership Right when you want to, and go direct to consumer. Keep it on cable, which I understand you'll keep it on cable, but then go to direct to consumer. Will you be able to do that where you have ESPN, not just ESPN Plus, but a product where ESPN, I don't need cable, where I'll be able to buy ESPN? In terms of the deals that we've closed recently, we have secured the flexibility we need. Yes. Now, I've predicted that'll be less than five years, you know, five years or less. Others say it's going to be, you guys are going to, you know, 50 million. I think uh, CNBC reported the other day they thought that was the bar. I saw that. Where, yeah, where do you see it? Where, where do you make that transition when you look at that where the, everything comes together and the mothership is a direct consumer, which would be an earth-shattering uh, moment for yeah. cable and TV? Where do you see that? What has to happen? What are the circumstances? Yeah, so we're, ju we're just not there yet. Um, there's no science. We don't have a number uh, in terms of, Andrew, to your point, the number of traditional households that are signing up for the big bundle. We are not sitting in a conference room saying, if, 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 if we fall below this number, we then flip the switch and move over. Uh, I'd love to tell you there is a number. I saw the CNBC report. We don't have that number. Of course, we're, we're looking at that. We're actively monitoring it. Uh, but what I will tell you is that we are 
regularly following the customer. And as the customer moves over to direct-to-consumer platforms, um, we are moving content over. And yes, we have secured the ability to do that through these deals that we've closed. It's been a very important point for us, making sure that we have the flexibility, again, not just to offer exclusive games, but to, and not just to do simulcast and alternative broadcasts, but to actually move content over. At the same time, we do have covenants and commitments to, to the traditional distributors. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we're, of course, going to honor those. That is the tradition. I want to be clear. The traditional television business has been a business that has been incredibly good to ESPN and the Walt Disney Company. And as I sit here today, remains incredibly good. It's, it, it generates a ton of cash flow. And that cash flow enables us to make the investments that we need to make, not just in terms of rights acquisitions. Um, that's the obvious one, but in terms of how we produce and, 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 and cover games, in terms of our you know, ability to sign and re-up with talent, to, to bring new talent on board. Um, you know, without the traditional side of our business, I don't believe we'd be where we are today. Okay, now at, this, at this conference yeah. yesterday, Adam Silver said, described the cable bundle as broken. Is it? I, I'm, I'm, I'm not prepared to say that. What, what, what I will say is that um, it is a business that today continues to perform very well for us and, and generate a lot of cash uh, that enables us to make the investments that we need. On top of that, uh, it enables us to serve the sports fan that is still in the bundle and, and, and actually believes that there is value there. And then on top of that, I would say it enables us to deliver the reach that our leagues are looking for. I think if, 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 if other commissioners um, were sitting here right now, they would tell you that they very much uh, value the reach that we can provide, not just on the digital side, but also on, on the traditional side. So if, if we were to move completely over to direct-to-consumer, I think the leagues would actually have an issue with that um, because they would lose the reach and the exposure um, that, that, that they're looking to grow their audience. They're not looking to shrink their but audience. But isn't the move to do both, to go eventually direct to consumer and still be on cable, so then you can have your cake and eat it too, the people who still want the bundle can get the bundle, but then you bring in the, um, you know, the people who are cord cutting or never getting, isn't that the move eventually? So, so a version of that exists today, Yeah. right? Like to be multiple things at the same time. And, and that is where we are. We started this April of 2018. We launched ESPN Plus. As, as I've said repeatedly, it's gone better than we, we could have ever hoped from a product and tech perspective and from a content perspective. Um, but yes, the move is to be, to be all things to all people. Again, serve the sports fan anytime, anywhere. I just don't have... I don't have a date for you. I don't have a number for you. And that's in part, when I say number, meaning the number of households, yep. you know, falling below a certain number that, you know, CNBC reported. Uh, I, I, I will just tell you that as we sit here right now, we couldn't be more pleased with, with these, these parallel paths that we're running. So he went to Cornell, Iger, Ithaca, I'm Ithaca. We're a little bit more, we'll go, I'm going to say less than five years. John and I make some bets that you have, the mothership is going to be also offered direct to consumer. John, what do you got? Oh, I'll, I'll take the over on You're going to take years. the over? Okay. Yeah. Now, Jimmy, you have to. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you get you. So I feel like you get you. I feel like you get you. Just between us. 
Um, you, you have the under on five years. Or I have, have the under. Five. I have five or less. Okay. All right. It's a, a dinner. Dinner on, on that. John. Yeah. Okay. That's our annual. Ba- uh, our Are you any more bet. business questions before we move on to? Uh, uh, go. I, I know you have some that you're. Well, I got like fifteen of the. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy, I know you love the uh, talent questions. Let me, let me right. before, before yeah, we ahead. get into talent, yeah. I, I do, um, there are a couple big rights deals. I hate the word talent. These losers aren't talent. Go ahead. On-air <laughs> announcers. There are a couple big rights deals that are out there. Uh, you were on stage and you said that you were planning to make a bid for the English Premier League. Why, why, is that, why does that work for you? Well, I, what I said was we're, we're interested. Uh, Actually, that is what you said. You didn't say you were going to make a bid. You said that yeah. you were interested in it. Soccer is an, is an, is incredibly important to to ESPN and Disney. We've we've made investments uh, on the MLS side. Uh, we closed a deal recently with La Liga. Prior to that, we closed a deal with Bundesliga. We had some success with Serie A. Uh, it's it, it's certainly moving the needle for us on ESPN Plus. Uh, and the ratings for MLS, as you saw, were really solid this year. Uh, we like we like the game of soccer. We believe it's growing, uh, and so of course we're always looking at um, new properties that we think can can help us across platforms. So um, we we will continue to explore Premier League. Uh, I would I will say that you know as we look at the the game of soccer, our focus today is more on the direct to consumer side than it is on the linear television side. That being said, again, we're having success with, with MLS on linear, and I hope that that continues. MLS rights are up, of, of course, as well. Yep. And so you're negotiating with them, or you're interested in them as well. We are. Yeah. Yep. All right. Some talent stuff. I'll start with an easy one. By the way, I do agree. We have many, many talented people at ESPN that are not. Yeah, why talent? talent? Why do you think only talent? talent? Yeah. Some are talented. Uh, you know, yeah, Crystal Pock is talented at uh, PR, right? Yeah, let's not go crazy. <laughs> All right. I mean, they, they, we don't have to extend it that far. All right. That's a little much. All right. The Manning deal obviously has been a huge success. We're not going to ask you if you're happy with it. Of course, you're happy with it. We know that. You know when, what? I had Jimmy on stage yeah. for like what, a half hour. I didn't, couldn't even get to the Mannings. I didn't even ask about the Mannings. That's all talk we talk about. about. Yeah. So tell me this. You've tried a million times. You know, I called it the white whale for a long time. You finally reeled it in. I mean, it's a great deal for them. You know, jazz up zooms. I don't know how. I mean, you're paying them a lot of money. It's a great deal. But it's been an amazing deal for you guys. Everyone loves it, and it works perfectly. Why was this time different? What, what happened yeah. to make this different from your perspective that you got them to do it? What, what happened? We decided we wanted uh, to be in the Peyton Manning business a while ago. Uh, I've had... It's no secret. I've had several exploratory conversations with Peyton over the years. We uh, first netted out on ESPN Plus and original content, uh, Peyton's Places. That has gone really, really well for us. Uh, We expanded Peyton's Places into other sports. Uh, At the same time, I was pretty clear with Peyton that I was interested in him getting more involved in our NFL game coverage uh, in whatever fashion he was interested in, 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 in discussing with me. Uh, and what, what was clear to, to all of us is that flexibility was, was important. I think he, he said that. Uh, I think Eli has said that as well. Flexibility in terms of you know, his, his, his family being his, his top priority. Uh, and so what I communicated back to Peyton was, look, we're willing uh, to be creative here. And we, uh, about a year ago, 
uh, had a, uh, an alternative broadcast uh, of, I believe it was a Saints-Raiders game, September of 2020. Uh, that broadcast, the alternative broadcast, was being hosted by Reese Davis, and, and Kirk uh, was on with Reese, and, and Peyton called in. Yeah. And it was great. It was, it was exactly what we had hoped it would be uh, with, with, with Peyton. And if anything, it just confirmed our belief that, that this, this could be special. Uh, and let's think outside the box. And so we started then conversations with Peyton and Omaha on something that was maybe a bit more creative uh, than, than him just joining a, a traditional booth. Uh, and we ultimately had a meeting of the minds with, with o Omaha and ESPN on this concept of him doing it with Eli uh, and not doing it every week, and we were okay with that. Uh, in fact, we're good with it. And uh, look, I see it, Andrew, as, uh, as complementary to our primary broadcast. You know this. We've been so invested in alternative broadcasts for many years now and, and they've worked really well for us. Uh, they're oftentimes experiments. We try to learn. Uh, we try to learn from others who are experimenting as well. Nick did a fantastic job uh, with their wild card game last year. Uh, but we, we, we like the momentum behind alternative broadcasts in general. Uh, and we take a lot of pride in what we've done thus far and again, I do think that this is very complementary to our primary broadcast. One thing that's fascinating is if you look at the research, uh, folks who are tuning in to the Manning broadcast are switching back and forth. They're going from Manning to the primary broadcast and back. And what we've seen is that in the aggregate, they're spending more time with Monday Night Football than just the person that's watching the primary broadcast. So to me, that's rising tide. Like that's exactly what we're trying to do here. And so, yes, I do think it's complimentary. I, and I, by the way, I think our primary booth is doing a fantastic job. They had a, they had a tough situation last year, unprecedented circumstances. It was their first season together. I think they did a great job last year. I think they're doing an even better job this year. You know, I'm, I'm a fan. And I'm one of the folks that is, that is switching back and forth. And, 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 it, and it works really, really well for me. So, um, yes, we're, we're, we're pretty pleased about how this is all playing out. So I was going to ask you, so there, you look at Levy, Greasy, Riddick, are they your long-term answer? Where do you stand on that? I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled with, with what they're doing right now. Um, I saw them. I was actually in L.A. last week. I went to see them and told them how, how thrilled I was. Um, with their performance. Again, I think that they were great last year. I think they're still getting better every week. Um, I also love the fact that they've, um, they've been positive about this alternative broadcast. They've supported it. I think if each of them uh, was sitting here right now, they would say they see this as a rising tide. They see this as good for the game of football, good for ESPN, good for Disney. Um, and so, yes, we love, we love the three of them in, in the booth, and I think they've, they've, um, they've made some, some really good calls at really important times this year that haven't gotten the same amount of attention or pickup uh, as our alternative broadcasts. And I think as, as folks continue to s switch back and forth and change the channel, I expect that 
you know, some, some momentum will pick up in terms of how folks are covering and responding to our primary booth. Is there a path to getting the Mannings for all the, the full season? As an alternative broadcast, we have not yet had those conversations. As I said before, you know, we love being in business with Peyton and now Eli. And of course, I'd be crazy to say that we're not interested in doing more with them. We have not yet had conversations around doing more than, than the 10 games. But this is a multi-year deal. And you know, once I think we're through this season, we will sit down and evaluate uh, and it, a lot of that's going to be up to them and what they want to do. Now, you just made changes to your NBA coverage with Countdown. Mike Greenberg uh, is going to lead that show. Stephen A. Smith, Magic, uh, Jalen Rose, and Michael Wilbon, the main Correct. crew. You got to that point because of the Rachel Nichols and Maria Taylor situation. If you could have a do-over in terms of that whole situation, what would you have done differently? Look, my, my focus is on, is on I, I, I appreciate you asking that. My focus, I did my that. Attention. I knew you'd appreciate it. That's why I asked you. <laughs> my, my focus and my attention is on today and, and, and moving forward. So I'm not going to talk about any, any regrets. It's a very complicated time that we're living in right now. Uh, I, I appreciate um, the folks who were involved in all the decision making. Um, I am uh, very respectful of the decisions that, that were made, that we as, as an enterprise made. And uh, again, my focus is just on how do we continue to get better? Let's get a little bit better every day. And where we sit right now, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled with uh, some of the decisions that have made in, been made in terms of NBA Today uh, with Malika Andrews uh, and, and NBA Countdown, as, as you just mentioned. What's really important to me, Andrew, is that these two shows um, operate really as one unit, that there's great collaboration between them, and there's consistency in terms of the themes and, 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 and the spirit, and, 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 and the folks who are leading um, uh, behind the camera right now um, get that, and they, 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 we, have a, we have a meeting of the minds in terms of, in terms of the vision for this, for this product going forward. And I would also say, and I was talking to John about this earlier, uh, we did uh, re-sign Jeff Van Gundy, so we're going to keep that team together, uh, which I'm very happy about. Uh, we are going to, or we announced that we're moving Lisa Salters back to the um, number one sideline reporter role. She'll also continue to be, of course, our top sideline reporter for Monday Night Football. Uh, Jay Williams. Uh, will be uh, our go-to analyst. You didn't mention Jay before, but Jay will be our go-to analyst across studio programming. And so that includes First Take, Get Up, Sports Center, uh, and of course he'll 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 stay on his morning radio show. He may show. not sleep though. Yeah, that's uh, a, it's a lot of work. <laughs> that's a lot uh, of work, Steve. Yeah. And by the way, I'm pleased with what's happening with Max and, and Keyshawn uh, with the morning radio show, but. Jay's going to be very busy. Uh, we also have uh, Hubie Brown celebrating uh, 50 amazing. years. Amazing. 50 years with the league. Is he 88? Uh, I don't know how old he is. Mid 80s, yeah. Yeah, but okay. he's celebrating, you know, as both a coach and an analyst, so he's celebrating his 50th. And, and this is the 75th, uh, you know, anniversary uh, for the league, and it's, and it's the 20th year of, of NBA on ESPN. So, yeah, this is a really important season for us. We've made a lot of changes on the studio side. 
uh, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about, about what's to come here. How deep do you get into these talent discussions or talent decisions? Uh, that, that's, a, that, that's a good question, John. Look, we have a new head of talent, uh, and she's doing a fantastic job for us. Uh, she's still getting to know a lot of the agents and a lot of the talent. Um, but we, we, she and I have a, have a regular one-on-one uh, where we're connected. I'm also very connected to Norby Williamson. Uh, the talent group uh, rolls up to his department, uh, so we speak regularly. Uh, I try uh, as best I can to not micromanage. We have some really smart people around the table in terms of sport leadership. Uh, those folks are, are obviously very engaged on the talent side, working with our talent department. But I am involved. I, you know, there, are, there are many decisions that do hit my desk. Uh, you know, a lot of the NBA decisions that we just talked about, uh, I was involved in. You know, we have some decisions to, to make coming up on the baseball side, as Andrew has, has, has accurately reported on. Uh, and, I, you know, I'm, I'm in conversations on those. But like I said, I do pride myself on um, surrounding myself with really smart, talented people and then trusting them and not micromanaging. Uh, usually when it, when it does hit my desk, it hits my desk because it's, it's really important or it's, it's uh, because uh, the folks uh, that are leading the individual sports are just struggling and they, and they, they want my input. Uh, but uh, for many of the bigger talent deals, I am, I am involved, uh, and it's um, you know it's 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 uh, I'd say it's a small percentage of my time, but it's still meaningful. Let me ask you another thing about talent. Okay, this is the talent being public with their own personal opinions. You know, recently Sage Steele, I know you guys didn't call it a suspension, but she was off the air um, for you know she made a series of comments on the Jay Cutler podcast. Um, how do you handle that internally? Like, how do you make that so it's not you're not getting the headlines? And you know, should people be able to express what they want to say about anything, or they take the check uh, from Disney and they have to abide by your rules? Where do you? How do you handle that? What don't we see uh, that what you're doing in terms of trying to figure out that where you're kind of getting some big headlines on things? We understand that, of course, these are human beings and they have points of view. And one of the things that I love about ESPN is the fact that we embrace all different points of view. Um, what we don't embrace and what we don't accept is, is, is when points of view are conveyed disrespectfully. And so that, that is where we draw the line, when points of view are conveyed um, in a way that is inconsistent with, with our values. And so that is when, when we get involved. Uh, again, we have a really talented talent group um, that I trust and, I, and, and that I, I rely on. Um, but yes, this is, this is a, a, a meaningful percentage of my time in terms of me getting involved, especially over the past year and a half where we're living in a world that is incredibly divisive. And we do have folks um, within ESPN who have different, different points of view. And that can oftentimes lead to conflict. And, and we've, you know, we've struggled, like, like many other media companies, you know, we've, we've, we've oftentimes struggled. Uh, but I do believe that we've put the right people on, on these assignments and we've made the best decisions we can during incredibly complicated times.
Got one more though. I got one more. We oh. got this is an important one. Okay, he, Jimmy one. is a legit Yankee fan. All right, so this is the big question. I mean, um, sometimes you remind me like a WFAN, or I'll say ESPN New York caller because if you're uh, and you're the chairman of ESPN, so you're the owner of the Yankees. Aaron Boone coming back or not? Uh, I'm gonna say yes. He's coming back. I think I only know what I've read, maybe even from you. Uh, it seems like the momentum is heading in his direction. Look, I think, I think as, a, as a hardcore Yankee fan, uh, what I would do if anyone asked me, and I'm not the person to ask, but we're asking. Uh, we would just ask. We asked. We're the chairman of ESPN. Come on. We said you're the most powerful person in sports. Although, it could be Randy Levine. He runs the Yankees. The, the most powerful. I, what, what I would like to see is uh, Randy Levine over Jimmy Pataro. <laughs> no, I'm not going there. Right, Randy's pretty on. powerful. Randy's pretty powerful. Look, we have to do a better job of hitting with runners in scoring position, uh, getting a man in from third with less than two outs, just getting people on base, moving, moving, moving guys along. Like that, to me, was one of the challenges. And you and I have talked about this over the years. I think you have a different opinion. You like the fact that you, you put more value on, on the home run than I do. Obviously, the home run is incredibly important. But, but to me, I like the scrappiness uh, of some of the teams that are out there right now, doing the little things, um, again, moving runners along and, 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 and stepping up in clutch situations. That, to me, is what defines the Yankees of the, of the late 90s. And by the way, we're, as you know, we're hard at work on a documentary called The Captain, which you know, will be obviously primarily focused on Derek Jeter, but it'll also be focused on that dynasty. And you know, it's just fascinating when you go back and look at at, 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 at that team, they're just insanely clutch. Yeah. They always got the big hit. I told you, and Jimmy from Bristol. You called Jimmy from Bristol. I, I asked you who Aaron Boone. Now we're getting on about documentaries. Jimmy started Cheater. talking about like scrappy players. Favorite it Yankee like all you were time. Describing yourself yeah. at uh, Cornell. Favorite Yankee all time. Then we'll let you go because I didn't have a meeting. Oh, that, 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 that's a tough one. I will tell you that my uh, my last dog was named Pags after Mike. Oh, Pags my, that's a good one. Running. I like that. That's a good one. Um, you know, he was just again scrappy, yeah. gritty guy, uh, but but I uh, it, it's definitely Greg Nettles. Greg Nettles. Uh, did you play third base? Uh, I did. Okay, I did. Uh, and uh, I this is crazy, but I when I was a kid, I used to have to take have to take nine steps to my bed every night. I would turn the light switch off, and Greg Nettles was number nine, and I would have to take nine steps to my bed. And to this day, I still. Yeah, I still do things nine times. <laughs> All right, there you go. Well, Greg Nettles, if you need a job, I think I know where you're going. He shows that. I've actually, oh, I've actually really? told oh, him told that. Him? Yes, right, I, well, have. A, I have. A oh. bat, I have a bat that says nine steps to bed, signed by Greg Nettles. Yeah, welcome back to Sunday Night Baseball. Alex Rodriguez here, and Greg Nettles is our third man in the booth now this year. Right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, we can't thank you enough. We know how busy you are. Uh, second podcast guest after uh, Scott Van Pelt. So, uh, you got it, guys. Thank, thanks a ton. Appreciate thank it. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Jimmy Bataro was really good. My first takeaway is, now I tried to get him to uh, tell us when ESPN The Mothership uh, goes uh, direct to Everybody consumer. Everybody wants to know that. <laughs> Everyone wants to know that's gonna be your, when do you think it does? I don't, I, I believe Jimmy. I don't think anybody knows. I mean, we did the over under and I went over five years, yep. but who knows, cord cutting could accelerate uh, even more than it's happening now. Nobody knows how, the, how it's gonna go. You're placing a big bet on it. And I think what he said that is they're gonna follow the consumer. So there is a point 
And I, I just don't, don't think he I knows think it's within five is. years. I'm just, I've done some reporting on this. I think it's within five years because I think if you look at the deals, what they'll do is, though, is that it's not going to just be we're cutting off cable. It's going to be you can get cable, John Oran, you still want cable, you can get it, but then you'll be able to buy it direct to consumer. It's going to now here's the question though. It's going to cost a lot more for ESPN to get Monday Night Football and the college football playoffs and everything, NBA and everything. So then where does that product go? And what they're really successful is with, uh, in terms of Disney overall, is Disney, Hulu plus, ESPN plus. And you can't charge another $6.99 for all of ESPN. That's the programming is too expensive for the games. So they have to figure that out where ESPN maybe is a different, you know, can you have ESPN Plus as one product and then ESPN everything as one product? Is that too confusing for the uh, consumer? That's something that they do have to figure out. But I say within five years, the date is what, October 13th, 2021? Uh, so uh, I got till 2026. When this podcast will be, oh my God, it'll be at least 15 to 20 people listening. ESPN by still makes a ton of money off traditional linear television, and they're gonna do whatever they can to continue to prop that up uh, for as long as they can. The leagues wanna ensure that, that they stay on sort of traditional linear television. And so there is, a, there is an undeniable move towards streaming, and ESPN is making that move happen. But five years, I, I don't know, it could be three, it could be seven, I don't know, but it certainly is happening. Another takeaway is the rights they're the gonna rights go after, and it's really not a surprise. They're going after everything. They're going after yeah. everything. On stage with you uh, during the SBJ uh, symposium, he said, he mentioned the Big Ten. Uh, just now, he mentioned MLS, uh, and he mentioned the Premier League. Which ones does he get? All of them. I think that he, really I, I think he's going to get a, a stake in all of them. Uh, I think he likes MLS. I think MLS works for him mainly because of the out-of-market package. Mm -hmm. The local rights drive a lot of subscribers to ESPN+. Plus. He loves that aspect of it, and he, he specifically shouted out MLS. But, I, when they, and they, he, we didn't talk about this, but I, and you'll probably know this, is that... Uh, they can have the local rights. Aren't all of them the regional rights? So like if you're in New York and you want to watch uh, NYC FC, they're on Yes right now. But aren't those rights up now where ESPN could have even the local rights as well so they have everything? Exactly. That's, okay. part, that's part of what MLS is shopping. They made sure all the local rights deals ended. So they're going to the market now with a national deal, with all the local deals, mm -hmm. with out-of-market deals. It is a totally unique package that they're going to market with that, that people haven't seen before. Premier League, they're going to cost a lot of money. I know NBC really wants to keep yep. it. They, they built an entire uh, weekend morning uh, schedule around them. It's, it's driving uh, growth on, uh, on Peacock. ESPN really wants it, and my bet is that there's going to be a split, and it's going to be split between two or maybe more, but most likely two different networks. Yeah, that's what I said. I, I think they're going to go between two because if you look at it, if you go with NBC and ESPN or you go with uh, Paramount Plus, CBS uh, and ESPN or NBC, you're going to get broadcast as well. On a couple of the, you'll probably get a couple of windows every weekend. I mean, that's huge when you think about it. A lot of stuff's on cable. I mean, most of uh, uh, the NBA is on cable. Uh, and so if you're the Premier League, I mean, they have made some amazing gains. That's not going to be, we've seen how that um, package has just grown in terms of how much they're paying. Uh, in the six-year deal, NBC's paying close to a billion, a billion dollars, and now this one's going to be, if they go six years, they'll probably, they might get two billion, yeah. so it might double, and that is a lot of money. And so on the talent side, 
he, he seems really supportive of the Monday night booth. He did. Did I mean, that surprise you at all? Uh, Not me. It didn't really surprise me that much. Um, but will I, we, didn't, we didn't ask him this. All right? we, we tried to drill him as much as we could. Will they do a Super Bowl? He's not going to really answer it, so, but we could have asked it. I don't know. Will they be there for 2027 when uh, that Super Bowl, I think it's 26 season, 27 is their Super Bowl. Will it be Levy, Riddick, and Gracie? Maybe. I wrote this. I do think the Mannings actually helped them. Everyone's like, the focus is on the Mannings. This stinks for those guys. I don't think so. Because the, where the Monday night booth has always gotten crushed is when you have a bad game, right? And that's where the Twitterati um, and all the you know, people who talk a lot you know, they focus on the broadcast because the game's bad and now it's Monday night and you want to still watch the game. Now you turn the channel to, to uh, the Manning brothers and so that kind of alleviates some pressure to me off of Levy, Greasy, and Riddick and for them, they can grow uh, together and become more of a cohesive unit. Last year during the pandemic, very difficult. They weren't even allowed to be in the same room. They never even saw each other the whole year. Now they're being able to have a normal year so they have a chance to improve. So again, Manning's I know it's a little counterintuitive. I, I kind of felt this. They could be good for that booth. Uh, well, we were happy to have him here. We do have to come up with a new name for our interview series. Yeah, I mean, we're like, here's the thing about the podcast. We're not going to do an interview every week. We're going to do some interviews. Some weeks it's just going to be John and I going over the topics. But we did like six and a half good minutes. You really liked it. The playoff of uh, or pretty good minutes, I should say. Six and a half pretty good minutes playing off of PTI. Playoff, an, an homage. I an homage. You're yes. a DC guy. So an homage to PTI. But I don't know. It's done. If we're, you know, this was a big get. I kind of like the big get, but we can discuss. Anybody has this, they can tweet at us. You have a name for that segment. All right. We're going to finish off with our calls of the week. Call of the week. Let me do the first one here. Guys, they are eating, eating sandwiches, although a couple have complained to me that there's too much peanut butter on the sandwiches. It's like 70-30 with the jelly, so they're not enjoying those as much. But basically keeping it, you know, business-like, but very relaxed. I mean, if you talk to the guys that I've run into, it's relaxed. I think Michelle DeFoya is one of the best sideline reporters out there anyway. But that is exactly what the kind of information I want to know from a sideline report. She got me in, in the locker room. She t- told me something I never would have known. I mean, that's what sideline reporters are supposed to do. I, I know it's goofy, but I, I, th- I just thought that was a really nice job. Yeah, look, any peanut butter and jelly coverage is good peanut butter and jelly coverage. I mean, I've always <laughs> said that. Uh, everybody wants to cover peanut butter and jelly. Uh, and that was, yeah, that was fun. Uh, and, and that's what you want. And it was a weird situation because uh, NBC had a huge delay because of lightning and the rain uh, on that game. So that you don't see that at halftime. And you know what? I always take notice of people like Mike Tirico was excellent at filling time. Like the, the people that are really good at filling yep. time in unusual situations like that, they really come up to the floor. I thought Michelle did a really good job. Yeah, I think that ESPN background always helps because you just do tonnage at ESPN. So when you go to other places, you have that experience. So that really helps you a lot. Real quick. What kind of jelly do you do with your peanut butter and jelly? Grape, strawberry, what do you got? Oh, I go grape. I mean, you got to go grape. Uh, what do you go? I did grape in grade school. I, I'm, a, I'm a raspberry guy with the little seeds yeah, look that at stuck like, in your teeth. Absolutely. All snotty. I mean, come on. Got, you got to go grape. It's a grape, right? And, and peanut butter, 75% peanut butter. 
Oh, yeah, the percentage that, I don't know, I never thought about that. I don't like too much peanut butter, actually, now that I think about it. I don't but like it overly a peanut butter. AC, you just inserted yourself into our pod. What's your peanut butter? Strawberry. Strawberry? Yeah. And, and the ratio? And the ratio? Oh, crunchy. crunchy peanut butter. Oh, wow. oh zero to five clickers, <laughs> crunchy peanut butter. That is the worst. Nobody likes crunchy peanut butter. I don't believe I've ever seen a zero five clickers before. Oh. Oh. Oh, the only thing worse, the only thing worse. Then crunchy peanut butter, olives. Ugh. Olives do never, if I cannot eat olives, but crunchy peanut butter, that's a terrible call, AC. All right. Oh my God, you're Listen. a ruffian. You don't like olives, you know, with a glass of wine? It's the rock. All right, let's, uh, let's run yours. There have been seven walk-off homers by a catcher in postseason history. Do I hear number eight? That was Matt Vaskersian, uh, Red Sox, Rays. Vaskersian just left ESPN Sunday Night Booth after four years with A-Rod. He's doing the game on MLB Network, and that's a five out of five for me. Reason being, now there's some luck involved. He gets the setup, talking about catchers hitting uh, walk-off home runs. He gets that, then Vasquez hits it. Then he has the Carlton Fist. The energy's great. He nailed it. And, and I mean, look, I... I, people, I have fun with these when I do these rankings, these ratings. If I got them on anything, voice didn't necessarily fully cut through the crowd uh, on the uh, call. The crowd was very loud, but still gets the five out of five because the words were perfect. Uh, and so uh, the highest honor for Matt Vaskersian. Yeah, anybody that can predict it, what's going to happen essentially, and then just meet the moment. Just have the excitement. He, 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 the excitement built up. I thought that was a great call too. I might give it 4.78 only because it was a Red Sox. That's it. <laughs> That's true. All right. I got you there. And he also went with the flow of it, uh, right? And he, he went with the flow of his call. Um, and uh, MLB Network did a good job of editing that for social. So you got the full call. Uh, and so uh, a good job for Vaskersian uh, in terms of uh, uh, the call of the week. So thank you very much for lasting to the end of the second March and Oran Sports Media Podcast. It, Jimmy Pitaro was very good. I thought it was fun. Every week, we're going we're gonna to switch it up. We have kind of a plan of what we're going to do. Again, some weeks we'll have guests. We had Jimmy Pitaro on. We thought it should go longer. Hopefully you enjoyed that interview. Uh, I thought he was very insightful and uh, pretty revealing. So it, it was good. And John, as always, enjoy um, spending some time talking sports media with you. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And obviously, everyone says this at the end of their podcast reviews and, and uh, giving us five stars is very helpful and we appreciate everyone who does that. And if you don't feel like it, all right, that's fine too. Whatever. See you next week.